0: Thank you. Uh, Thanks to Yunyak for sharing uh, that message and just testifying to God's goodness and and His grace in our lives. Uh, Praise God for that. Uh, Boy, it uh, is—we're almost at Christmas next Monday. Crazy, isn't it? Next Monday is already Christmas. I know that uh, in the Kim household, we've been getting presents. Uh, We've got—we don't have family in town, so. Uh, people are mailing their gifts to us, and it's weird because for probably the first time, uh, the gifts underneath the Christmas tree are not wrapped in wrapping paper with a bow, but they're they're like UPS boxes and packages, and it's really not quite uh, very festive. But uh, Olivia and I are a little bit sad because as we're looking at these gifts coming in, Manny is the one who likes to check the mail, and she's like, oh, we got something, we got something, we got something. She's like really excited and And as Olive and I look at them, we realize, man, none of these gifts are for us. (laughs) It's all for the kids. It's all uh, Manuel Kim, Elijah Kim, Elise Kim, but nothing. And if it says Olivia Kim, then she opens it up, oh, it's for Elise or somebody else. And we're a little bit distraught and a little bit disappointed by this. And then I went on social media, I went on Facebook, and I think I figured out what it was. And on Facebook, they have these, these things are kind of popular now where there's a picture and it's got a bunch of names and it says something like, Uh, this person will get married this year, or this person will have a kid this year. Um, The one that I saw this week said, this person will get coal in their stocking this Christmas. And I was looking at the list of names, Olivia was there. (laughs) Ha! Like, that explains everything. And then I was thankful that I didn't have, uh, DL wasn't on there. But as I was looking further, there was one that said, Dave. I was like, oh my gosh, that's like so close to my name. Like at some point people call me Dave. Maybe this is the reason why. Because we've been naughtier than nice this year. It's kind of a cruel world in which we live in that says Christmas gifts are based on whether you've been good or bad. Doesn't that stink? Wouldn't that stink as a kid? You're waiting for Santa Claus to come? And, like, your brothers and sisters have gotten all of these gifts, and they're, uh, they're excited, and you're hoping because, you know, you've done some bad things this year. You've done a little bit of good things, and you're trying to figure out, and, and all of a sudden, you hear this message, no, you've been naughty, and so you don't get any gifts. How, how distraught would that be? That's terrible. That's awful. And so I began to think, this year, okay, this year, if God were to give you a Christmas gift based on whether you were naughty or nice... Would you get a gift this year? How many of you think, "Yeah, I'd get a gift this year." I think I would. I would do all right. Nobody. Okay. Okay. I don't think you would. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but if we got gifts based on whether we're naughty or nice, boy, that really makes us think. What about for your lifetime? Uh, over a lifetime of accumulated naughtiness and niceties, if God were to look down from heaven and say, if you've been good, I'll give you a gift. If you've not been good, I'm not going to give you a gift. Do you think you'd get a gift over the lifetime, right, over the sum total of the choices and actions that you've made over a lifetime? Would God give you a gift? I don't think I would get one. In fact, I'm positive I wouldn't. And that's a tragedy. The Bible tells us that we've all sinned. And the wages of that sin is death. Here's a reality that none of us deserve anything from God. But an even greater reality holds true. That on the first Christmas that we will soon be celebrating next Tuesday, God did give a gift. And he gave the most generous gift that the world would ever know. And God will forever be the most generous hilariously generous giver that we could ever experience and come to know. I want to read to you about that from the most famous passage in Scripture. You may not even need to turn to it. Uh, you might have memorized it. You might have committed it into your hearts. In fact, uh, at House Church this week, I think Elijah was reciting John three sixteen to the shame of some of his aunties and uncles there. But this is God's Word, John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You read that one more time. This is powerful stuff. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is God's word. We've been talking about what it is to be generous. We've been talking about generosity, and we've seen that it's not just about what we give. It's not just about an amount. It's about an attitude. It's not just about the money that we give. It's about the mindset, like why we give that which we give. And today we see that God is The most cheerful giver. You see that in the Corinthian correspondence that Paul writes, God loves a cheerful giver. Why are there so many passages in Scripture about giving? Why does Jesus talk about money twice as much as he talks about prayer, faith, heaven or hell? Why are there more promises in Scripture about being generous and about giving than about anything else in the Bible? And why is it that the only time God says, test me, test me, test me, It comes in the area of giving. I'll tell you why. Because there's not many more times that we are more like God than when we're giving generously. And so today, I want to help us see why the gift of God is the most hilariously, cheerfully generous gift that we could ever receive. Three things. There's the first thing. God held nothing back. When he gave his one and only son. We talk about generosity. Again, it's an attitude, not an amount. You could give $100. I could give $100. Everyone could give $100. In fact, two people could give a dollar in offering today. And for one person, that offering would not be very generous. But for another person, that $1 offering could be extremely generous. Because generosity is a whole lot more about our attitude than it is about an amount. And when we talk about making sacrifices for somebody, okay, sacrifice is not seen in how much we give. Again, you could give $10,000, and that could be a massive sacrifice. Another person could give $10,000, and that's not much of a sacrifice because a sacrifice is not about the amount, but it's not about the amount that you give, but about the amount that you withhold. It's not about how much you give. It's about how little you hold back from somebody. And so I bring up a name. Mel Kaufman. I don't know if that name means anything to you. Does anyone know the name Mel Kaufman? Mel Kaufman, starting linebacker for the Washington Redskins in the 1980s, number 55, one of the anchors of the defense, and he is the singular reason why my friendship with Randy Dodson ended in fifth grade. So it was, we were avid sports fans, football fans, and one day Randy was at my house, and he had brought his football cards over, and I had my football cards over, and we were looking at them, and we were making trades. Now, in the Washington, D.C. area, there were these cards, football cards, that were given out by policemen. Sixteen weeks during the football season, every week a new one would come out, and they would have a redskin player on it, and on the backside, it would have a safety tip given by the police, things like... You need to be careful when you talk to strangers. Don't accept anything from somebody that you don't know. Look both ways before you cross the street. Always obey your police officer, whatever it is, different safety tips. And week eight of the football season was Mel Kaufman's week. And so the cards would usually come out in the middle of the week or sometime later. But I found a way that I could get them in advance. There's this crossing guard, you'd have to walk pretty far in order to get to school, but this crossing guard was giving them out. And that week, I was the first one to get Mel Kaufman, and I got two of them. Got two Mel Kaufman cards, and as I was showing Randy, he was like, oh my gosh, the last one, week seven, was Jay Schrader. Mel Kaufman hasn't even come out yet. How'd you get Mel Kaufman? I was like, I'll trade him to you. And he's like, all right. And he's looking through his cards, and he said, I've got Dan Marino. Dan Marino at the time, was a, he was the man, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. He's like, I'll trade you Dan Marino for Mel Kaufman. I was like, nah, you know, Mel Kaufman, this is like before anyone else got him, so I think I need a little bit more. And so we were wheeling and dealing, and at the end of the time, he gave not only Dan Marino, but like five or six other Miami Dolphin cards. I straight highway robbed him. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. And so we made the trade, and I got these cards. I was looking, I was like so excited. For whatever stupid reason, I said, this is great. At least I still have another Mel Kaufman card. I don't know why I said that. I wasn't trying to be mean. I wasn't trying to rub it. I was just stupid. And I still remember what Randy said. He got up and he said, what? And this is what he said, and this was the end of our relationship. He said, some friend you are, and he kicked the screen door in front of my house, and he picked up his set of cards, and he walked away. I was like, oh, my goodness, what just happened? What in the world just happened? Some friend you are, I was giving him one of my cards. But I realized at the end that being a friend and a seeming sacrifice is not in what I gave, but it's in the fact that I held back from him. If it was the only one I had, it would have made much more sense to him. But because I had an extra one in my back pocket, he was really upset by the seemingly generous gift that I'd given to him, which wasn't a gift at all. I think about the nature of generosity and sacrifice. When it says God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, actually, I've got another Jesus inside the house. He didn't say that. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. What does that mean? What does that look like for a father to give his son? Maybe in some weird twisted context, in some weird cultural context, if the son had been a jerk, if the son was disobedient, if the son was awful, you might say, all right, fine, take my son away. But Jesus was a complete and utter antithesis of everything that was wrong in a child. He was everything good in a son. He was perfectly obedient, perfectly complicit, and it wasn't, again, a forced obedience. It wasn't, Jesus, obey me, or else you're going to go to the corner and get a stick. Jesus, every desire of his heart was to honor the father, and everything he saw his father doing like a good son, he wanted to do that. It was eternal intimacy from the very beginning, until the time he came into this world, that's all he knew was the father's love and the son's loving and cheerful and glad obedience. And it says, even so, says God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, and he makes that clear, the unique, the singular, only one, not he's got another one, not like one out of 10 or 20 or 30, but his only son, perfect in his sonship. Perfect in every attribute, and he gave him to the world. What does that even mean? I think about the fact that I've got three kids, two girls. I've got one boy. And I tell people all the time, each of them has a unique love. My daughter, Manny, always be my first. Always be my first love. No matter how big and gross she gets, she's always my, she's always my first. My daughter, Uh, Baby daughter Elise, she's the youngest one, and she's not a baby. She gets mad when we call her a baby, when we say she's cute. She's like, I'm not cute, I'm big. She doesn't like being called the baby. Because she's got her own set of babies. She's like, I'm not a baby, I'm a big girl now. But she'll always be the baby to me. And then there's Elijah. (laughs) Uh, Some of you are gonna judge me because I smiled bigger when I said Elijah. I know it's not. I love all of them the same. But he's my boy, and he's my son. Yesterday, he stole his, his sister Manny's shirt, and he put it on, and he was wearing it, and Manny got upset. She's like, Daddy, Elijah took my shirt. So I was like, Elijah, take off the shirt. He's like, no, I don't want to. I said, I'll give you one of Daddy's shirts. So he said, okay, okay, and he took off Manny's shirt. He's running around like naked, but I gave him one of my shirts, like big old Snoopy shirt. I wore it, and he was like so happy, and then Olivia and I went out for an event last night, came back home, and I went to look at Elijah, check on him, and he's, he's in his pajamas, but he's holding on to my shirt. That's my boy. That's Elijah. I can't imagine getting a phone call one day from somebody. I haven't talked to this guy in years. I get a phone call. Hey, D.L., how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? It's been like forever. How are you? I'm not doing well. not doing well. I'm actually really sick, and I'm about to die. Oh, my goodness. This didn't happen, by the way. But, oh, wow. Uh, Man, anything I can do? Actually, there is. There's actually one thing. I need a blood donor, or I need some kind of an organ donor, and found that the only person in the world who is a match traced back to you, your family, and it's your son, Elijah, wondering if you would okay it for him to give his blood to me. Like, what what does that mean? What What does that look like? Well... Uh, the doctor's on the line. He's going to tell you, "Hello, doctor. Hello, uh, Mr. Kim. Yeah, we're just looking for your permission. We need the blood of your son Elijah in order to save this uh, this uh, this long lost person. Well, um, what is that? What, what are the risks? Uh, yeah, I need to inform you of the risks. It will be uh, extremely painful for your son. Extremely painful. In fact." Uh, The risks associated with taking all of his blood out would actually lead to a painful and hurtful death for your son. Like, no way. you kidding me? Get out of here. I ain't going to do that. No person is worth that. No person is worth that for my son to go through. But but you have to realize that um, there are more cases of these, an outbreak of this kind of illness. And there are cases scattered throughout the world. And it's your son, Elijah, the only one who could actually be able to save these people. Under what circumstances would I say yes? That's crazy. Like there's not a snowball's chance in hell that I would do that. No way. What if they said, but there's a link between all of these people. All of these people, uh, they actually hate you. All these people hate you. At one time they knew you. At one point they, you know, you you loved them, but they never gave that love back to you. They treat you awfully. In fact, uh, they hate your family. They hate everything about you. Like, under what kind of crazy, psychotic circumstances, what kind of drugs must I be on for me to say, oh, yeah, I'll give my only son, Elijah, whom I love like that, for these people? Who would do such a thing? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to a people who hated him, to a people who were undeserving, not nice people, not sweet people, but while we were sinners, while we were enemies, while we were God-haters, while we were insolent, while we were stubborn in our hatred towards God, he sent his one and only son to not die a painful, painless, quick death, but to suffer and die for you and for me. He withheld nothing in order for that to be. This is the first reason why God is the most generous giver that the world will know, because he withheld nothing when he gave his son. The first thing. The second thing is that God's gift, this is why it's hilariously generous, it's available to anyone who wants it. That's craziness. I mean, anybody who wants it, he will say, you can have this gift of life. But some of you might be saying, well, I, I'm not sick. Why did Jesus have to die for me? Well, we're a lot more sick than we think. And if you don't think you're sick, then here, all you need to do is look at the world in which we live in. You'll realize that our world is pretty dang sick. You look at the sickness in sexual harassment across all specters of celebrity life right now. You look at that, and you can see that our world is sick. You look at corruption in our, in our political parties. You look at corruption in our government. You look at corruption on, at every level again, and you see that our world is sick. You look at how, how earthquakes and, and fires are taking people's lives. You realize there's something deeply wrong with the world in which we live. The world is sick, and the reason it's sick is because it's made up of sick people like you and me, who've been a whole lot naughtier than we have been nice. And that's why the world is like this. Man, you think this world is broken? You just look in the mirror, and you realize why. Right? The sickness is within the self, and it plays out in society. And the earliest accounts of how the world began tells us why it is the way that it is. It says in a simple way, we rebelled against God. Right? We sinned against God. That's the word that the Bible uses. To sin is any uh, lack of conformity to the will and the word of God. That's basically what it is. That we rebelled against him. And because of that, this is the bed we lay in. My children. Uh, My oldest daughter, Manny, likes, uh, her dream is to be a pastry chef. That's what she wants to be, and so she likes being in the kitchen, and she likes cooking stuff, and if, you know, there's people who want to bake something, she'll always ask if she's able to to help them, and and because she wants to do that, um, Elijah, our five-year-old, wants to do that also. He says he wants to be a pastry chef also, and because our five-year-old and our eight-year-old says that our three-year-old wants to be a pastry chef also, and so it's always trying to wear her apron, and they're always trying to, like, help out in the kitchen, and and they always want to grind the, the, the coffee beans and they always want to push the plunger on the French press. Always trying to help out in some way. And so they've got a, a, a certain level of, of aptitude when it comes to pushing on the plunger on the French press. Yeah, that's real cool. So they're doing this. So we imagine this. They wake up, we wake up on Christmas morning. Olive and I are trying to sleep. And we wake up and there's all this racket, right, all this racket in the kitchen. Come out in the kitchen and there's like flour everywhere. There's like bacon all over the floor. There's eggs that've been cracked and they're everywhere. We're like, what in the world is going on? And we walk in there and we see Manny with her chef hat on and her apron, and Elijah with her chef hat on his apron, and Elise with her chef hat, hat on and her apron. And like, Mom and Dad, we're making Christmas breakfast today, just like you taught us. Bacon and eggs, and we're gonna make cake, and we're gonna make ice cream, and all of this stuff. And we're looking, and we're like, dude, this is a mess. Here, come, let us, help us, because this is terrible. We can't live like this. They're like, no, 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 Mom and Dad, we figured it out. We figured it out. We don't need you in our kitchen anymore. Please leave us alone. But look at what happened. No, get out of here. We don't need you. What kind of a mess would our Christmas world look like if we had been evicted out of the kitchen that we owned? And there you get a picture of the sickness in our world. Why is our world like this? Because we kick God out of the kitchen. Say, God, we don't need you. We could do this just fine, thank you very much. We can work our way to a better world. We can figure this out on our own. We can get there through education. We could get there through going, doing good. We could get there in a million different ways. We said that's what we could do. And we live in this world that is sick because we said we don't need the healer in our world anymore. This is the world in which we live. But God didn't sit by and watch these things happen. It says, for God loved the world in this way. He didn't just write a telegram in the air or get this Florida area smoke rider with his airplane to write John three sixteen in the air. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Here's our reality, right? John 3.16, most popular Bible verse ever, the most significant, a microcosm of the gospel. Okay, check this out, to understand this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, right? Twelve words, Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 12 words on one side, 12 words on the other side. God on this side, us on this side. And the bridge between God and man is the Son, Jesus. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. He doesn't say whoever grew up in church, whoever never did drugs, whoever, whoever never smoked weed before, whoever never slept around with somebody. It says whoever, period, hard, stop, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That the gift of God is available to anyone who wants it. How unlike us he is. Who are you giving Christmas gifts to this year? You're not giving it to the people who hate you. You're not giving it to the people who used to be your friend but aren't anymore. You're not giving it to the people who talk smack about you. You're not giving it to the people who turn their back on you. You're not giving it to the person who stole your boyfriend or girlfriend. You're not giving it to the person who, whatever it is, did bad against you. God says, for I love the world in this way, that anybody who believes in my son can have the life that is eternal. This is the grace and the generosity of God that no one in this world could ever match. And this is what he's saying. And, and this is how it plays out in our lives. Saying, if you know this love, guys, if you really know this love, Christian, then you would change your attitude towards the people who have wronged you if that grace of God is really real in your heart then you will learn to forgive the way that, you've been, uh, that, that you have been forgiven. Because God says, listen, if you've been forgiven of this million-dollar debt, then how can you hold on to this $10 debt that somebody holds against you? No matter how much somebody has done wrong against you, it doesn't hold a candle to all of the wrongs that you and I have done against a holy and perfect God. The way that you know that you know that you get this gift of life is that you show this gift of life and forgiveness to those who have wronged you. This is how we know, right? This is how we know. Because God is the most hilariously generous giver. Because not only did he withhold nothing, but he gives to anybody, the only requirement is that you want it. And here's the last thing that we see, that God's gift keeps on giving from the moment you receive it. Keeps on giving, keeps on giving, keeps on giving. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, too many of us think eternal life begins after I die. All right, so I put my trust in Jesus, I live this life, I go to church, I give my 10%, I give my 15%, I'm a little bit nicer to people, I read my Bible, I pray, but life doesn't really change all that much until I die. That's when, whoop, I'm born into, I go into heaven and eternal life begins. No, 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 he's saying. That's why the the translations are not right. He says, literally, if you believe in him, you will not perish, but have the life that is eternal, It's saying it begins the moment you believe and it continues on into eternity. It says the moment you believe, your life begins to change. And you begin having testimonies of God's power at work in your life, of God's provision, of God's pleasure, of God's joy, of God's transforming work in your life. It doesn't start when you die. It begins the moment you believe. And that gift keeps on giving and keeps on giving, and keeps on giving. The gifts in our world are not like that, are they? You could get the, the best gift in the world, even if it's a house, a car, whatever, that somebody gifts you with that thing, it doesn't keep on going. It doesn't keep on giving. In fact, the car will lose its luster. The car will break down. The clothing will go out of style. The ring will begin to tarnish. Whatever it is, You won't love it as much as you did, and it's diminishing marginal returns after that. Even the things that promise life. You know, um, there's a game recently. If You go to Starbucks and get your, I don't know, your caramel spice brulee, whatever, latte, ooh, holiday flavors, yay. Go to Starbucks, you'll see this game. Oh, you could win Starbucks for life. If you have the app. And so I'm pretty close to getting Starbucks for life. I'm pretty sure I'm going to win. I just need one more thing in that row. So um, I'm going to win in in just a little bit. I'll share with anybody who wants it. But because I was about to win, I read the fine print. Starbucks for life. Like, yes, for life. Like, what does this mean? Fine print says, actually it means you can go to Starbucks and you will get one cup of coffee every day for free for the next 30 years. Like, 30 years? 30 years? That's false advertising. Get out of here. I'm going to live, hopefully, I, I don't know. It's up to the Lord God. But what if I live 31 years? That ain't life. If I live 50 years, that's 20 years, the last 20 years of my life without the promised free coffee that's supposed to be for life. Even the things that promise to be for the rest of your life aren't really for the rest of your life. But God says, here's your deal the moment you re- receive and open up this gift, from that day forward, your life will forever be different. And the only thing that keeps you from receiving this life is are you going to go to God every day to get the life that he promised you? Because listen, you win Starbucks for life. If you really want it for life, then you're going to go every day to Starbucks. You're going you're to make that exchange. Here, I give you my whatever you need to show, and you give me the thing that was promised. God promised, if we trust in him, that there will be life that is eternal. But a lot of us aren't living like this because we, hey, I said a prayer. I ain't living this. I'm just waiting until I die, and we're missing out on so much that God has for us. The moment you believe, that life is opened up to you, and then you go back to him the same way that you did when you believed. You repent of your sins and you say, Jesus, you're better. I want you. You do that the next day. Jesus, you're better. I want you. And then God's going to, that life is going to begin to invade your life. See, I think a lot of us, man, we have this, this sad, false notion that eternal life really has fine print that says eternal life lasts until middle school. And so you go to retreat, sixth grade, you give your life to Jesus. Eighth grade comes, ninth grade comes, you're like, oh, I don't love Jesus anymore. That life is no longer valid for me. Or, hey, eternal life lasts until high school. Once I get to college, I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to party like it's 99. You can find me in the club, sipping on the bub. We think all of these things that eternal life doesn't really last forever. We think there's an expiration date on it. And we live like that. And he's saying, Christian, it shouldn't be that way. You ought to be living in the life that is eternal every day of your life. With hope, with joy, with forgiveness, with a capacity to do things that you could not do before because the life of Christ has invaded you and you're no longer the same person that you were. God is saying, this is why I gave my son. Not for you to live defeated, but for you to live in victory. Victory. Not for you to say, oh, this book is so hard, I can't live it. But for you to live infused with life and with the power of the Holy Spirit because you go and you believe the gospel every day. And because of that, your life can be transformed every day that you go to him. This weekend, we had a, we had a concert in our main sanctuary for the Joshua Foundation. For those of you who may not be familiar, the Joshua Foundation was named after one of our college students who on a mission trip to Ecuador in 2011 drowned in a river um, the, the, the day, uh, just a couple hours before, he was going to uh, share about the, the hope of Christ um, to a church in, in Ecuador. And since that time, um, we've kept on going back, even though that was supposed to be our last time going, and, and, and through that, a full-time missionary is there, and, and a foundation has been started called the Joshua Foundation. And on Friday night, we had a concert. First half of the songs, and it ended with, with Joshua's mom singing Amazing Grace. I mean, she sung this in Ecuador, and, and people just, like, lose, lose it when she sings. Especially when she sings, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. And no doubt, uh, there's so much of that infused with this sense of, man, I'm going to be singing with my son again. And as that song came and it ended, intermission came and dismissal until the second half. And during intermission, there was a slideshow that was playing um, of the work that's going on in in Ecuador. And, you know, some people would stick around to watch it, but most people wanted to get out, go to the bathroom, get their refreshments, get their fruit. The slideshow was being played um, over the past uh, six years since August, six years and four months. Uh, We have the foundation and, and through the missionary Gonzalo has planted seven churches now in that area. 300 people have been baptized coming to saving knowledge of Jesus. Those areas are, are, are being changed. As that slideshow is going on there's pictures of, uh, of the different ministries that are happening, people being baptized and churches that are erected and leaders that are being uh, established and people just worshiping God and Everyone had filed out and I just kind of from my corner view was looking and, and one man just sitting in the back watching with like repressed emotion and it's Joshua's dad. I see him watching the slideshow, pictures that go by and I remember one of the things that he would always say when we would go to Ecuador as he would get up and he would share. He would say, I lost my son but through it, I've gained so many sons and daughters. And when he said that, there's always this like big smile. that just envelops the people there. And when he sees that slideshow, I can't help but think that he believes, yeah, if there's one thing, if there's one wish, I would wish for my son to be here. But because the Lord's will was to take him early, My deepest desire is to know that his death was not in vain. And as he sees that slideshow of pictures going by with just emotion that cannot be captured in words, I can't help but think that he believes my son's life is accomplishing so much more in his death than it is. In his life, And when God looks at the slideshow being played out in our lives, every life is a slide that goes by, oh, that it would be said of us that God the Father looking down on us would say, man, I look at that life of that young boy. I look at the life of that sister, that that sister in that church. I look at the life of my daughter, of my son, and I see them living the life that is eternal. And I know, I know, I know that my son's life and his death were not in vain. If you're a Christian, guys, let's live out our inheritance. Let's live out this gift that God has given to us. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, God gave that gift for you. He came for you. He gave his son for you. The only thing, the only requirement is that you want it and you say, God, I want you. Jesus, come in. Unwrap that gift. Your life will never be the same again. Let's pray. Friends, I want to give an invitation, maybe in a minute or two. As you think about your life, if you have not yet put your faith in Jesus Christ, we're sick. That's our reality. And the ultimate sign of sickness is that we will die. But God sent his son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have the life that is eternal. God wants that for you. How much does he want it? He would give his son in order that you would become his son. You would become his daughter. And so in a minute or two, I want to give an invitation for anyone who wants to put their trust in Jesus. We're not going to make you sing or dance or anything like that. I'm just going to ask you to think about it now. And then in that moment, you can just raise your hand so that I can talk with you and have a follow-up conversation at some point. That's all we want to do. But I want you to think right now, do I need Jesus in my life? For those of us in here who have already put our trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, I want to ask you, as I ask myself, are we living in that life that is eternal, the life that he promised, not just 10,000 years and then forevermore, but now? The sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. This is when God's going to give you your life that is eternal. It already began if you've put your trust in him. The question is, will you go to him and make that exchange? Here, God, I give you my broken life. I give you my anger. I give you my hatred. I give you my addiction. I give you my sin. And in exchange, I receive the life that you give to me. This is the gospel. It's repentance and faith. Repentance and faith every day of our lives. Turning away from sin, turning to Jesus. God did not send his son Jesus into our world to live a perfect life and to die a sinner's death to rise again for you and me to live defeated. Okay, that we would live in victory, that we would live out the gospel in our lives. So Christian, let's pray. For non-Christian, let's listen, let's pray. Praying is just talking to God. And maybe today is the day that you'll unwrap that Christmas gift the hilariously generous giver, our God in heaven. I'm going to give that invitation in just a minute or so. But Let's pray together, just on our own. You can pray quietly if you want. You can pray loud, aloud if you want. But let's honestly pray right now. Honestly pray. Lord, I want this life that is eternal in me. Let's pray together for a couple moments. We'll continue to to pray and seek the Lord together. of God's love for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life whoever means anybody it means sixth grader it means ninth grader It means successful businessman. It means well-dressed businesswoman. It means the one who's been to church only twice in their life. It means the person who's been going to church all of their lives. It means the person who's new today at Harvest. It means the person who's been coming to Harvest for 15 years. Whoever believes in him, God opens up this invitation right now. And so the invitation is here with the rest of us as we pray or with our eyes closed. If there's anyone in here who today, I would to put my trust in Jesus Christ to save me from this mess, to give me hope and to give me life. I've been going to church for a long time, but I don't have this life. I've been going to church for a day, but I don't have this life. Whoever you are, God says, I gave my son for you. And so here's this invitation. If you want to put your trust in Jesus Christ, to be the forgiver of all of your past to be the one who gives you hope and life in the present and the one who promises an eternity with him on this life and in heaven. That's you. I'm just going to ask that you quietly, from where you are, just raise your hand. You don't need to stand. You don't need to do anything besides that. Just raise your hand from where you are. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Folks are in their hearts. Praise God. I need Jesus in my life. I want this gift of life. Whoever believes in him. We're going to pray together on behalf of those who have raised their hands today and for those who maybe want to renew this devotion. This commitment within our hearts. I'm going to pray two kinds of prayers for two different people. Just hear this and you pray this and make it your own. Father in heaven, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you sent your son Jesus into this world to, to save sinners. And I know that this is who I am. I know that I've hurt you. I've hurt myself. I've hurt other people. I've been a whole lot more naughty than I've been nice. And I deserve nothing. I deserve nothing. But I believe the good news that you sent your son into the world to take my place, to die in my place, to take my punishment that I deserve for the wrongs I've done against humanity and especially against God. And I believe that you did that for me. So Jesus, come into my life and be my savior and be my master so that I might live from this day forward in the life that is eternal. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, that I who have given my life to you already am renewing my commitment to live with you. I've fallen and I've backslidden. I've put other things ahead of you and I've sought life in other things. But I repent of that. I not only acknowledge that I've done that, but I turn away from those false promises of life. And I turn back to you, Jesus. And each day, this is my desire. I want to face you and I would say, Jesus, give me the life that is eternal for this day, that I might live in you. Thank you so much that the gift of God is hilariously generous. You withheld nothing and you give to anyone who wants. And this gift keeps on giving day after day after day. And on and on and on your love goes. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Father, because you've loved me first. In Jesus' name I pray.